This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ah, f*** off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Razor vs. Henry Godfrey. Hey, I'm ready. Right foot back. Begins with a U. It ends with an A. Has a meal dish up there. To the Cultaholic Classic Raw review, as the other Cultaholic lads uh, recover from the return of a legend from the past. That's right, Barry the Shark back on the news video. Who'd have thought it? We are here via our Ica Pro powered DeLorean back in the past where things aren't as glorious. We are. Who be we, I hear you say? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell. I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage. The head pen, Cultaholic, the man who does not require a pencil. If Tony Schiavone was to see him with a pencil, he would snap it and produce a cartridge pen, to which Tony would shout, It's ink! He needs a pen. He gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry, and he is off of America. May you one day be as happy to see me as Shivani was to see Sting on Wednesday night. Oh, wasn't it glorious? <laughs> Tony Shivani's reaction was the best. Everything about that moment from Sting's new music, which Monkey Ruckus did a great job on, um, to just Shivani's reaction to the snow falling there in the Jacksonville night, Sting's calm demeanor as he just kind of stared everybody down, going from the oldest guy to the youngest guy. It was poetic. It That's was wrestling. Absolutely stunning. And and long may that... I mean, what would you like to see Sting do as part of AEW? Well, he is 61 years old, so I don't know what he really could do, especially being five years removed from forced retirement due to spinal stenosis. But what I figured they could do, and this is probably where they are going to go, cinematic matches. Yeah, that seems to be very likely. <clears throat> Chucking him in, into the uh, the lake of reincarnation, having him come back as Surfer Sting. I'm okay with that. Or Crow <laughs> Sting or, or Blade Runner Sting with Warhorse next to him. 
John. John. Put, put this in photo form so that we can show show Tony Khan <laughs> and Matt Hardy. They need a p oh, that's that's a beautiful idea. That is a beautiful idea. At that point the Adam had to be negotiating against Tony Khan because I'll be a free free agent. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Adam, they gave me a nice fruit basket. It's like I'm not saying I don't like working here, you know. But you're not giving me a fruit basket like Tony Khan is. Exactly. I feel appreciated. And I'm full of vitamin C. <laughs> he put tangerines in it. You know what one is? <laughs> we all thought tangerine was was a was a color on a on a on a sunbed. It's what tang is made from. <laughs> is it not? Oh, I've made a terrible error. Uh, just to give you a bit of a show admin, if you're listening to this, so uh, next week is the final episode of the Classic Raw review for the year. We ever. wrap up. No, ever. no not ever. <laughs> not ever. How dare they? Uh, we are then we are taking uh, the rest of the year off for good behavior, uh, returning in the new year. But we have something very special planned in the interim. Now, mm-hmm. if you enjoyed the 12 duds of Christmas last year, I have some good news for you. If you hated the 12 duds of Christmas last year, I've got some great news for you. <laughs> They're going to pull a Barrett there. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. <laughs> I, know he's you. I didn't know he was Scottish. I'm afraid. <laughs> you learn something new every day. I have got some great news. So uh, we will be counting down to Christmas, giving you daily watch-alongs in replacement of the Cultaholic Classic Raw and SmackDown reviews. But we're doing it a little bit differently this year. Yes, we will still be hand-picking and hand-rearing some of the worst wrestling matches in the cosmos. But you're going to get a little different flavour as to who is going to be doing them. You see, some of them will be myself, Justin Henry from Off of America, and Matthew Gregg from off of the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review. A triple threat of the highest caliber. But some days you will get myself and Justin and a th- mystery third decided by the random guest generator. And on some days you'll get myself, Matthew and a mystery third decided by the random guest generator. These are ghosts from classic, from classic review past if you will. And they officially begin on the Cultaholic podcast feed on Monday, December the 14th and run all the way through till Christmas Day. Are we excited for more duds at Christmas, Justin Henry? Does this make you Ebenezer douche? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, damn it. I am Ebenezer douche. (laughs) I was hoping I was hoping to be Marley and you could be Marley and we could sing the song from the Muppets. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'll be Marley then. We're Marley and Marley. <laughs> wasn't, he, wasn't he the dog from the movie? <laughs> You're thinking of Marley and Marley and me, which was, oh, okay. which is about a dog that saved all his money and then when he died he couldn't spend it. <laughs> How about the reggae singer? Is that him? <laughs> No, you're thinking of Wycliffe, John. Uh, okay. 
So there you go. So that's that's how things lay out. Next week is the final Cultaholic Classic Raw review of 2020. We will return uh, with a fresh lick of paint in 2021. But you'll get some watch-alongs along the way. But we have the small matter of this week's episode. In fact, actually, before we leave, before we leave admin zone, the first episode back, you you figured this out last week, Justin. The first episode back that we're doing is a watch along. Yes, we are. This is time very fortuitously. Hmm. We're about to do the March 20th episode of 95 here. Then March 27th is next week. Then after that, once we go on a nice long holiday vacay and we return to WrestleMania 11. Oh, man. So we're going to be watching Mania 11 together, sir. What a way to start 2021. <laughs> I hope Matthew's still hung over from the holidays because... He- He'll be required for that show. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. He's he's been a naughty boy this year. He's not getting cold, <laughs> but he's watching WrestleMania <laughs> 11 with us. I know who these goddamn football players are. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what his reaction will be when I say, "Do you want to watch?" I'll message him later, and he'll I'll go, "Do you want to watch WrestleMania 11 with us?" And he'll go, F- "No." Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it anyway. My team player. <laughs> All right then, pal. I'll do it. <laughs> He's very, he's very easily bullyable. <laughs> he can be he can be bullied into many shapes. He's bullyable and malleable. It doesn't take much. Just twist his arm slightly. Ah, uh, he'll be with us. He'll be with us. He'll be definitely up for it. We all need to start 2021 on. You know what? We all started 2020 with such high hopes and great optimism, and it all went to hell. So therefore, we should start 2021 really badly because then it'll be great. <laughs> Or it could be even worse. <laughs> like, oh like, Christ! I'll show you. It, we could release the metaphorical kraken. <laughs> if we start well, the year with that that's going to happen in hockey anyways your team's called the Kraken and it's coming soon <gasps> really yes in Seattle that's the 32nd NHL franchise oh my god release the Kraken oh, that's exciting so apparently uh, when they named the Kraken that was the harbinger of all the bad stuff that happened in 2020 if they don't have the ice hockey announcer as the team comes out to the ring say release the Kraken I'll be bitterly disappointed. That's probably what they're going to do, I would imagine. They best do. I'll be furious. So, on another note, let's... Come on, mate. We've stalled enough. Let's watch Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Must we? Yes. Where and when are we, Justin Henry, before we get into the rigors of the news? Well, as noted a few moments ago, this is... Uh, it aired on Monday, March 20th, 1995. This was taped one week earlier in Stockton, California, which, as we learned last week, was going through severe flooding at the time, so there may be some uh, some empty seats in this in this small venue because people are unable to navigate the uh, the flood zones, shall we say? So there'll be some big old gaps in the uh, in the crowd because of massive puddles. Mm. Well, yes, or the social distancing twenty five years ahead of time. <laughs> they were ahead of the curve, sir. Uh, we've had some action on the WCW end of things to talk about this week in the Wrestling Observer as WCW yeah. put on Uncensored. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> Speaking of 12 duds, I think one of the uh, matches from that show is part of our 12 duds coming up. It certainly is. We're not going to tell you which one, but I want to see whether when we list off the matches, you can Here's figure out. 
Here's a clue. It's not Sting versus Big Bubba. <laughs> so, from the Wrestling Observer, um, most of the WCW Uncensored 1995 show was played for laughs as opposed to drama. It's part of the emphasis on appealing to children with heels being nothing more than comedic foils. Uh, Ric Flair appearing in drag for the first time during a run-in, then later coming out with his nails painted and eyeshadow still on made him look like the most hideous-looking drag queen, says David Meltzer. They could have gotten Adrian Street for a lot less money, said David Meltzer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot of silliness in this show. Uh, let's run through the show. Now, Justin, I want you to tell me what the star ratings were for these matches for Uncensored 95. Oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just speculating here. Okay, you, you can, once you've done speculating, uh, see if you can figure out how many stars are in each of these matches. Um, uh, some dark, some dark match slash, you know, pre-kickoff uh, show shenanigans. Pre-Mountain Dew kickoff show shenanigans. Uh, mm-hmm. Alex Wright beat Mark Starr. Two minutes, 44. How many stars? I, I don't know. I didn't see that match. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. One star. I knew it. <laughs> uh, Steve Austin beats Tim Horner with a superplex in one minute, 27. If I'm Cornette, I'm giving that five stars automatically. <laughs> Close. Oh, my goddamn truck. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> you were slightly off by uh, three or oh, four and three quarter stars because it got quarter of a star. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I was close. It was single digits. Very close. Uh, Marcus Bagwell and the Patriot beat Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck. Oh, this sounds like an awesome match. Um, Two? Oh, close. Half. Oh, (laughs) how dare he denigrate Bunkhouse Buck like that? Uh, Also, he was very denigrated because it was during this match that we had a taped interview from Hulk Hogan uh, talking about his ultimate surprise. Oh, yes. Oh, so it's on this night that we meet mm-hmm. the Renegade, who was uh, teased in the run-up to this as being the ultimate warrior. Let's call it what it is, Justin. They were they were telling us warrior was coming in. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was winter was coming, and they gave us um, nuclear winter. <laughs> they flipping well did. Right, the main show, Blacktop Bully. Beats Dustin Rhodes in a King of the Road match. What's a King of the Road match, Tom? I'm glad you asked, Tom. Uh, It's a match that takes place on the back of a hay truck. And the winner is the one that climbs to the top of the truck and honks the horn. It was horrible. (laughs) You you forgot one small detail. (laughs) Not just the back of a hay truck, the back of a moving hay truck. Oh, I forgot that actually the moving part is very important because this yeah, is this is cinematic wrestling. Oh, that's right. This was the original cinematic match. There is so, some fun that comes from this match, which we have to talk about at the end of this because there is a a backlash from it. But what was what was the star rating for this match? Well, I'm, I'm going to assume there's a hyphen in the front. <laughs> Maybe. How many stars followed it? I'm going to say three asterisks. Oh, it was actually just the two asterisks. Oh, minus two, that's it. Yeah, yeah I mean, Dave was very polite. <laughs> cool. It's called Dust versus Repo Man, goddammit. <laughs> Meng pinned Jim Duggan in a martial arts match. That happened. It did. I've seen it. 
<laughs> oh my what is this about mate i think they're trying to recreate blood sport i figured Doug would be be the ray jackson of of, of the equation <laughs> and uh, um, did they do very well with it what stars do you reckon that old davy boy gave it it's got to be another hyphen i would assume mm-hmm. negative one negative two wow we're off to a rip-roaring start. <laughs> Don't worry. The workhorses are in. Johnny B. Bad defeats Arn Anderson in a boxer versus wrestler match. Okay, the mere fact that this match did not have someone kicking each other's legs for five minutes, <laughs> sorry, for, for, for ten rounds, is proof that they did not do Ali versus Anoki justice. <laughs> yeah, this only went the three rounds. Uh, the knockout punch being delivered uh, in... 22 seconds of round three. Uh, the gimmick was that Ron Finnegan put a bucket on Arn Anderson's head and Johnny B. Bad punched the bucket. <laughs> Glad he didn't kick the bucket. Then... Now you're probably wondering who Ron Finnegan is. I am, mate. Please help me. <laughs> I'm going to say this got one star. Uh, you know what? He was much more polite than you. Two and a half. What? Two and a half stars. Because oh, Arne sold for a guy I've never heard of. Rock Finnegan, I believe, was Johnny B. Bad's training partner. Okay. I think. According to Dave. I'm going to take your word for it. Heavyweights are in the house. Randy Savage beats Avalanche by a DQ. When, when Ric this... Flair in Drag interfered. <laughs> I recall this not being great. I'm going to say like half a star. Uh, it actually got a star and a quarter. Okay. So not not bad. This match you alluded to earlier, and and I had to read this twice to make sure that I got this the right way around. Big Bubba Rogers, aka the Big Boss Man, aka Ray Trailer, pins mm. Sting in thirteen yeah. minutes forty three. Yeah. Wow! 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 Don't worry, Sting got him back at Slamboree. Oh, that's um, all right then. Got to keep Sting strong. Maybe two stars. Two and a half. Hey, Bubba could work, man. It was a surprise to see Bubba getting the W, though. Well, he had to put some heel over at some point. I suppose. Nasty Boys beat Harlem Heat in what Dave Meltzer describes as a weird tornado match in 8 minutes 43. I believe this was a... This was the nod to the two below concession stand brawls, since it was two below. Um, One. Uh, it got... Two and a half. Wow. Dave's polite this week. He's he's clearly had some of the good stuff. I'm more or less just trying to guess how Dave saw it, as opposed to how I remember, because I haven't seen the show really in quite some time, but I don't recall there being much in the way of stuff that was impressive. <laughs> you are, you're, you're trying to see things behind Dave's eyes. Well, um... Um... <laughs> it's like, um... It's like one of those body snatcher movies, which, you know, they're not they're not real because you can't actually, um, you know, uh, you know, do that. It's um, oh, by the way, my new Dave flex is when Brian says something with hyperbole and Dave brings it back to reality because he doesn't understand hyperbole. (laughs) (laughs) Brian's like, well, they just put him in the ring and just shoot him in the head. Well, no, you, you you can't do that. You would go to jail for that. Oh, Dave! <laughs> he's, like like, like, he's like a robot they've not quite programmed properly. <laughs> so, like, so, 
So basically, 20 million people watch this guy win the bill. Well, I mean, it was only 1.5 million, actually. <laughs> but I think that's because, and we touched on this briefly last week, I think it's because Dave is so often cited that he's so nervous to put his name even to hyperbole because he knows that if Brian there, if Brian goes, why don't you shoot the guy? And Dave goes, oh, yeah, that'd have been funny. You know, Dave Meltzer, wrestler should be shot. <laughs> of course. According to the newsletter, somebody should be shot. Meltzer sneezes. Was that a murder confession? <laughs> he's so scared, bless him. That's... <laughs> um, uh, I think part of it is, it's just Dave's just such a stickler for facts and figures and stuff, and stuff like that. That that's just how he's wired. Yeah, we love you, Dave. We love the bones yeah, of course, you, Dave. Dave rules. And in the main event of of uncensored 1995, Hulk Hogan beat Vader in a strap match by dragging Ric Flair to all four corners. Oh, well, actually, he didn't beat him. He was uh, he was booked to go over him. <laughs> Oh, Dave, lighten up! <laughs> um, he had to have hated the ending of Flair being the one to sort of quote unquote take the fall. I'm going to say one and a half at most. He actually gave it three and a half stars. What? Three and a half stars. That is a man who loved Vader <laughs> and probably felt sorry for him. Uh, some highlights from this match: um, Michael Buffer. Who is paid like he was the highest paid ring announcer in history? Which is uh, BS. It said the said the following match is sanctioned by WCW on an event called Uncensored, where the shtick was nothing was sanctioned. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, according to Dave, Dave says, and this is funny when we talk. His hyperbole must have worn down since then. He says here for about the eighty third time. He says Hogan was the leader of Hulkmania as opposed to Hulkamania. Hogan's only been around since July. You'd figure by now somebody would give Buffer a clue and let and let him know he screws it up every time. Well, she did. Well, she um, Dave, it was only uh, four times. <laughs> During the match, <laughs> Renegade came out to music almost identical to Ultimate Warrior, running down the aisle almost like the Ultimate Warrior, uh, spending the match making Ric Flair his personal punching bag, not selling a thing at ringside. Jimmy Hart, with torn up clothes, was running around ringside <laughs> with the story that he'd escaped from being bound and gagged. <laughs> Well, <laughs> what is going on? Well, it is uncensored. <laughs> and um, I don't suppose you could sanction bondage technically. <laughs> but I'm just going to leave it at that because uh, the, the image is kind of nauseating. It really is. So the fallout from WCW Uncensored. Three people got fired following this pay-per-view. Only three? Only three. Which, um, which three got fired, Justin? Well, I know Dustin Rhodes and Blacktop Bully were both let go for blading during the uh, King of the Road match. Indeed. Was the agent for that match let go? Indeed he was. Mike Graham, who was adamant that this match would draw a dime, 
was let go from from WCW along with Dustin Rhodes and Blacktop Bully. This is as you say because WCW had a very strict no blood policy, and there was uh, use of a blade during this pre-taped King of the Road match. And part of the reason why this is so turgid is one because it's a match on a moving hay truck, and two they had to try and edit around the blood, which meant they. They, they were very limited with the shots they could use. A lot of high helicopter shots in this match. And a lot of a lot of blurry images. I mean, it's uncensored. It's unsanctioned. That's like having a DQ in a hell in a friggin' cell. No, that'd be stupid, mate. I know. It's good. Like, can you imagine taking the son of a legendary territorial wrestler and putting him in a match with a, an, another guy that's, that's going to be violent and then... And doing something like that, that's just stupid. That's, ah, oh, mate, utterly ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. <laughs> it's been a rough week for demolition. As Not only as Barry Darso, mm-hmm. Blacktop Bully, lost his job, but his former demolition tag partner, Crush, has been in a bit of bother this week, Justin. He sure has. Oh, so, according to The Observer, uh, Brian Adams, or Crush, was arrested this past week on drug and illegal handgun charges and immediately fired by the World Wrestling Federation. Age 31, Adams was arrested on the 13th of March by the Narcotics Enforcement Division of Public Safety in Hawaii. He was released after posting $10,000 bond. He's been living in Kona on the island of Hawaii and operating a gold gym while on hiatus from the WWF. There were plans uh, to bring him back in a more full-time position, uh, but following this arrest and uh, and subsequent uh, bail bond being posted and the story breaking in the news the wwf embarrassed by the situation uh, said adams had not worked regularly for the group since a few weeks after last year's wrestlemania and his contract was terminated he does serve a little bit of time for it and comes back a year and a half later playing off of his arrest for his new character <laughs> it's weird yes, that isn't really. it? it's weird isn't it well i guess what do they say? Take a positive or take a negative turn into a positive. It's a yeah, shame so... that they missed out on a trick of not taking him into WCW and having him feud with Savage because Savage never came to visit him. I got to pull a Dave here and, and speak factually. Oh. I just pulled up on Wikipedia and, and it turns out on October 28th of this year, 95 that is, he was sentenced to five years probation after pleading no contest to 11 counts of drug and weapons charges. So he didn't actually serve time, but they did use it for his jailbird crush gimmick. Ah, so there is that. So yeah, they leaned into it a little bit then. I mean, yeah, as you say, it's uh, you would lean into something like that. We lost a wrestling legend this week. I think it's worth yes, talking about before we go any further. Uh, on the day that this episode of Monday Night Raw aired, John William, a.k.a. Big John Studd, passed away following a long bout with liver cancer at 47 years old. Stud was trained by Killer Kowalski, debuted as the Mighty Minton in 1972. He was Chuck O'Connor for a time in WWF. He came close to unseating Pedro Morales for the world title in September of the year he debuted. He bounced around the WWF, Mid-Atlantic, the AWA, sometimes as Chuck O'Connor. At one time during his WWF run, he was executioner number two and he became a tag champion in the process. Of course, a lot of us know Big John stud from his feud with andre the giant this resulted in a body slam challenge at the first ever wrestlemania away from the ring he had roles usually as bouncers or heavies in movies like mick and maud starring dudley moore and the protector starring jackie chan 
He's also in a wrestling themed episode of the A-Team, which is very much worth your time. He left the WWF in 89 and hit the Indies before he retired the following year. He fought cancer for several years before losing his battle on March the 20th, 1995. Justin, what are your memories of the mighty Minton, a.k.a. Big John Studd? Well, a personal memory of mine is that he was the first LJN figure that I ever had. <gasps> no way. Now, did it have actions? Did it do anything? Or was it like, was it a poseable figure? No, it was just that giant rubber figure they had back in the 80s. So it didn't really, like, so it was posed, but it didn't have any real movement beyond just like a little bit of, you know, twist to the side, but then it returns to its normal position, you know, the limbs or whatever. Yeah, for, first ones I have are Stud, Ventura, and Bruno. Which is kind of an odd trio to start with. But yeah. yeah um, by the time I became a fan, Stud has already left WWF for the last time in 89. So I don't have to have too many um, like, like ongoing memories of him. But I mean, you know, watching him in archive form through his early WrestleManias and just through older footage, including the Rock and Wrestling cartoon where he was he was depicted on. Uh, he, he was pretty solid for a big man. He he wasn't the most exciting wrestler, I, you know, from like by modern standards. He was just a big guy who could draw well as a monster heel. So he, so he was ideal for that role, especially for a few with Andre, especially, you know, who was the true giant. Uh, it, it was kind of weird watching the '89 Rumble where he was a he was a babyface who the crowd just didn't the crowd didn't really get because a the audience had turned over so much in just the three years since he left, so it was, it was kind of weird seeing him out there. And two, he hadn't really done anything to, to be a babyface other than, you know, just disavow Bobby Heenan when he came back. That was his previous manager. So it was definitely, um... I mean, it's a sad story. 47 years old to go because of cancer. Like, it's like, like two different forms of cancer at the same time, basically. And it was... I mean... It, it's just a sad story all around, and even sadder. I I, I just pulled up the Observer because I, I thought of it when you mentioned Stud's name. Stud actually testified at Vince's steroid trial, although albeit not in person because of his deteriorating health. I found the passages from the August first ninety four Observer from this is one where Vince was was found not guilty, but Dave, but Dave who was in the courtroom had a long, very long dissertation on what on what went down with all the testimony. He said he refers to Stud's testimony by saying. There's a lot of discussion about this for days. Minton said that because of his recent chemotherapy treatments for Hodgkin's disease and is suffering a staph infection in his chest from it required surgery, that his doctor told him he couldn't travel. So they were going to do his testimony by telephone. Titans attorneys and McMahon were furious, seemingly believing that it was a work. McMahon himself, who was quiet virtually the entire trial, said he wanted, he wanted to know the doctor's name and one doctor called to verify. Jeez. The judge... The judge couldn't understand why McMahon was acting like this, obviously not understanding the nature of wrestlers. Bloody hell. Yes, I mean, I hate to pile that onto the man's death, but I mean, he did. this was merely eight months before he passed. So I don't think it was a work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was a work either. Oh, my days. Well, there you go. Either, either way, by all accounts, Stud was a very good man, and Bobby Heenan even made special mention of that in, 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 his, in his memoirs. Talk about how when he would encounter fans, he would be like, he'd be, he'd be tired or weary from the travel, and then like, like I want to do autographs or do whatever. The moment stud, stud, stud be like, ah, oh, be nice, Bobby, and just always, always seem to have time for people, I guess. And and and, 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 and just gently remind you that, like, ah, come on, it makes their day, and 
it's it's it's, it's part it goes with the territory of being a wrestling star and i guess that was studs true nature very much so very much so it's what's what's weird is like in sort of like crossing over into it's a bit of a, a bleak a bleak story but i think it's worth worth mentioning in terms of the timeline because as i was writing up my notes for the podcast today it was as i was writing about the death of big john stud that we got the news that we'd lost pat patterson uh, yes and actually the um, i'm actually working on something for called hawk related that involves uh one of pat's biggest contributions you could probably figure out what it is based on just that sentence um pat patterson had a very 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 unique career in more than one sense, he was – I realize a lot of fans may know him best as one of McMahon's henchmen, one of his quote-unquote stooges. And they have a little recollection of – or a little conception of him uh, as a backstage agent and his value. But the wrestlers he worked with can tell you so much more than just me as an outsider fan about how he was the best finished man in the business when it came to scripting endings for matches. His, just his – he must have had, like, those gears in his head at all times, just constantly spinning, constantly creating. And just so much of what you see in Golden Era WWF onward, in terms of, like, the brilliance and the intricacy of some of the best matches you've seen, that was probably Pat. Very much so. And, and of course, he did invent the Royal Rumble match. He, uh, he, he basically trained slash discovered slash, I'm not sure what the exact phrase here, but he, he's responsible in many ways for The Rock becoming a wrestling superstar and helping him out in, in his early days. He was invaluable in that sense. First ever intercontinental champion, mega star back in, uh, in Roy Shire, San Francisco territory. Uh, the man is, he was indispensable in so many ways, wearing so many hats and he had a career unlike very few others. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we pay our respect to Pat Patterson and we look back now to a simpler time in 1995 which is weeks out from wrestlemania 11 we throw over to justin henry who will talk us through this week's episode of monday night raw well let's see here stockton i don't think is too far from san francisco so that's actually kind of appropriate let me just do a quick uh stocking to san francisco how long would it take it's an hour and 22 minutes so not too far up in north california so perhaps it's a bit appropriate that we're on these Stockton episodes here. Uh, we go right to the intro for this week's show. No cold opening, no nothing. Not, not BSing this week. Vincent Cornette tells about what we're going to see tonight, including the Smoking Guns versus the Heavenly Bodies. We got King Kong Bundy in a handicap match. We learn more importantly that Mongo is here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was the draw photo for the for the thumbnail on the network. Oh, get in. Because they know where their bread is buttered. They certainly flipping well do. <laughs> and that as we're discussing all this, Razor Ramon is making his entrance for the opening match. It's Razor, and we see a silhouette in the ring, so we assume that's ah, going to be just some local, you know, a local yokel ham and egg or jobber. And it turns out it is Henry Godwin. <laughs> Henry Godwin got the Henry Godwin got the currently in the ring entrance. It's weird because he's been pushed so much, and all of a sudden he's already in the ring. <laughs> yeah, and well, I mean, I mean, we've seen in, in like two squash matches so far where he's works very slowly and just 
has a weird finish where he hits a slop drop and then rolls his opponent over a few times before pinning him. It's not over. No, it's, it's not. It's 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 a silly bit. <laughs> it's a stupid idea from dumb creative. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's the we've seen the babyface hillbilly act for years in this company. So why are we getting the villain version? Like, who's this going to appeal to? <laughs> it's uh, but it is an ominous sign that we have Henry Godwin in with the currently in the ring entrance. Even stranger sight, referee Danny Davis is not only. Now wearing the zebra stripes for his outfit, but he's wearing long sleeves. Yeah, this? is this a, is this a new thing they're trying out look wise? Well, they are going with the stripes, but apparently, I looked this up and I found out Davis wore long sleeves because he had tattoos on his arms. And it, and it's true. You watch him when it, even when he had the button up shirt with the bow tie, or even when he was a Heart Foundation's teammate. Every outfit he wore, he had long sleeves. Okay. Intriguing. So, so they are going with the striped shirt soon for the referees. I think I think either at Mania 11 or the day after on Raw, they become official. But I guess Davis is one of the first ones to really uh, break out with this. Although the long sleeves with the stripes just looks really weird on him. It just does. Yeah. I, I, my Okay, here's a random question. Favorite referee attire? I'm going to say the SmackDown early noughties referees. Uh, I'm old school. Give me the bow tie with the blue shirt. Oh, the one that Charles Robinson wore during the greatest match ever. Back at Backlash. Sure, there was that. But <laughs> I just think of Earl Hedmer taking bumps off everything or Joey Morello while wearing, while wearing them. And you know me, I'm old school. You are an old school boy, but that's why we love you. <laughs> I want to tell Dave Meltzer and Jim Cornette I'm the old school. I'll explain my love of 1980s WBF and have them roll their eyes at me collectively. Oh, that's a dream, mate. <laughs> like, everybody thinks that stuff is like contemporary. <laughs> and what's old school to one is not old school to another. But I digress. So Razor's working very angry in this match because... He is pissed over Bob Backlund getting an IC title match against Jeff Jarrett on the on Sunday Night Slam because he because he figures Backlund's going to beat Jarrett. We'll learn more about this uh, his actual anger in a moment. As Cornette go, as Cornette goes on a small rant about how, about how this company is full of shady contract dealings, you don't say. <laughs> they made me give up my my Twitch Chico. <laughs> what would it have been what would it have been in 1995 i have to hand in my my satellivision chico <laughs> they want my pager <laughs> they're not they're not letting they're not letting me use my etcher sketch chico i just want to play my tiger handheld games while people watch but i can't even do that anymore <laughs> it would have been would it have been a case of oh chico i have this deal done and dusted for razor ramon's tetris but WWF stepped in and said, no, you won't, dickhead. <laughs> John, Razor Ramon's Tetris. Hey, hey, Granny, I heard you're 91, Chico. <laughs> Say hello to the, to the bad guy. I think he was... Do you know, Undertaker in that cameo to Granny, who turned 91... Was very careful because the last thing you want to hear when you're 91 years old is someone telling you to rest in peace. 
<laughs> oh, like, oh, we've got a birthday message for my 91 year old for 91 year old granny. It's from The Undertaker. Yeah, now, out of context, that seems really what? mean. What's your favorite wrestler? So, even oh, yeah. if you said it, you, even if you said it, she, I'm sure she'd have been fine with it. Oh, no, absolutely. But I just think, out of context, it's incredibly funny. If people don't know that, if people don't know that it's Granny from the from Figure Four Wrestling Observer, all they hear mm. is that some some cruel bugger has bought his Granny a message from the Undertaker, telling her to rest <laughs> in peace. <laughs> He knows he's due for a large inheritance. So hurry up. (laughs) I'm watching all the time. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Of course, Granny is, uh, you know, I only trust her match reviews now. I don't trust anybody else's. Nah, Granny is the the new star rating. Savage versus Steam Bloat. (laughs) I, (laughs) neck chop, arm drag, um, head smash to apron i give it a three (laughs) (laughs) so she hated mania three so obviously you love her even more now (laughs) i don't hate mania three i just think i don't hate mania now this is this is this has gone on far enough (laughs) she's gone on long enough i don't i don't hate wrestlemania three i just turn us apart this (laughs) You tear me apart, Lisa. Uh, I don't hate WrestleMania three. I just, I, I graded. I did a retrograded on WrestleMania three, and I mm-hmm. graded mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, mm-hmm. listen to me, you sucker. <laughs> Look at that goddamn card for WrestleMania three. Are you? And, and also, and it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Okay, Hogan Andre for hype, sure. A, but for mm-hmm. match quality. Right, listen to me, you sucker. Butchering Coco Beware. Okay, it was a filler match. (laughs) Mate, there's so much filler in this match. I'd assume they were dentures. That's how how things were in 1987. As was the style at the time. That's right. And Billy Jackie and Hercules was the onion on your belt. But I can't, I can't. <laughs> okay, that's a lot of filler. So if I go, well, this match was an E, but as was the style at the time, it was filler. Yeah, so you have, have to judge so it. Have an you A. Have to, you have to judge it by 1987 standards. <laughs> it's true. You had Savage Steamboat, one of the best matches ever. It was. You had, a six, you had the you had the Hearts and Davis versus the Bulldogs and Santana. Very good match for eight minutes. Yes. Yeah, Piper Piper Donis, which. Wrestling-wise, not great, but the crowd heat and the action were tremendous. You had Hogan Andre, which is historic, and Hogan does one hell of a job of making things unwatchable out of Andre. <laughs> Hercules versus Haynes, fine mid-card match. Bees versus Sheik and Volkov, fine mid-card match. The Can-Am versus Morocco and Orton, fine mid-card match. <laughs> By 87 standards, this was a damn good show. <laughs> Robert vs. Honky was fine for what it was. You have to understand that, Tom. What 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 grade? Okay, if I retro-retrograde... What grade would you be giving WrestleMania three? An A plus. <laughs> of course, you bloody would. Okay. <laughs> to me, to me, it is the second best pay per view in WWE history. <laughs> Basically, you know how Meltzer gives something five stars in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Justin gives it A plus if it's in the Silver Dome. <laughs> that's 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 not true. I've seen Detroit. Li- I've seen Detroit Lions games. They're not A pluses. <laughs> but if Hogan Andre was the main event, you'd give it A plus. Mm. Ah. F- off. <laughs>
Anyway, back to Razor versus Henry Godwin. <laughs> I'm punchy today. <laughs> I invite it. <laughs> so, I feel like we're doing this match granny style. <laughs> Face slam on Matt. <laughs> Chin grab. Uh-huh. John, draw a chin grab. I don't, I don't care what it is. John, <laughs> just draw a chin grab. <laughs> Those are words I've never said in that sequence in my entire life until now. <laughs> so we actually get a funny bit during this match where we learned that Jim Ross apparently attended a secret Lawrence Taylor training session. <laughs> this is how they're using but, the, one of the greatest commentators of a generation. Can you go oh, and yes. watch Lawrence Taylor wrestle? But if, but if we want to learn what happened at the training session, we have to call the WBF hotline to learn more. Oh, this is a little mean gene jobby, isn't it? Uh, a little bit, except he's not, you know, saying like, you know, did someone die at this training session? Call to find out. <laughs> and then Cornette puts over JR for being, you know, getting the scoop on everything, including... And this is actually a nice segue in... in in, in the headline fodder, some Madonna pajama party. Cornet claims he was the one with the lampshade on his head, which actually made me laugh out loud. That was a good line, actually, from Jim. See, it took me a moment because at first I'm thinking, I didn't think of the obvious joke, which was he was so drunk that he had the lampshade on his head and he's dancing around, which is funny enough in and of itself. I thought of the Family Guy gag where Peter was hiding in the living room, but he, he, he pretended to be a lampstand and just has the shade over his head in the corner thinking that, he, that he's like inconspicuous <laughs> something like i'm thinking jr's just spying on this party with just a lampshade on his head and just his jr attire on otherwise including the cowboy hat on top of the lampshade john yes if you could thank you john your christmas so bonus is in the post of... john <laughs> <laughs> so this match is kind of just dragging ass here razor gets this wonky looking flying bulldog which he lands on Henry Godwin's back, more or less. That gets two. And then finally, we get a little story element as the roadie comes out to scout Razor. Distraction means the hog takes over. But then Kid comes out and roundhouses roadie right in the mouth. So Henry climbs up on the ropes to yell at Kid for for knocking down uh, you know, one of NXT's top backstage agents. And while Henry's staying on the ropes to yell at Kid, Razor walks up behind him, grabs his arms, and just drops him with the Razor's Edge. One, two, three. I figured that ending was done because Razor could not get a man of Henry Godwin's size up over his shoulders by, you know, just on the on the hijack lift there. That was probably uh, just a creative way to, like, how do we get this big mf up into the Razor's edge so I can drop him? I know, I'll have him already up in the air so that all I have to do is just fall forward. It seems that was the easiest way for him to go about actually doing the move. Um, but it, what a what a slow plodding match that was. And McMahon's worse on the ending. The, the crowd sweetener was so thick you couldn't even hear Henry Goblin land. <sighs> this is a three hundred ten pound man landing on the canvas from a great height and nothing. But the crowd, but the crowd love it so much. Well, it, well, yeah, it was just <sighs> the SmackDown hair dryer, <laughs> as it became known in parlance. But we're not done with Razor yet, because after the match, 
him and Kid meander over to Vince for an interview. And so Razor does what most most people used to do, and that's bad mouth Jack Tony. <laughs> Tony gets a kick in. Yes, yes, we are very close to the end of Jack Tony in canon here. About maybe three or four months left of him being mentioned in any form. Uh, he badmouths him for allowing Backlund to get this Intercontinental title match next Sunday night. And then he calls Jarrett, quote, as stupido. <laughs> See, what I love about Razor is that once in a while he would throw a Spanish word in the, in, in, into his dialogue to remind us that he's supposed to be, you know, Cuban drug dealer Razor Ramon. But, but it takes 49 English words before he gets to a Spanish one. <laughs> it's just like, he, he picks he picks a random thing like like hi I'm Justin Henry I am doing good today it, it is fuego outside <laughs> <laughs> or frio outside it's just like 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 there that should do I get I get heat sometimes for dropping random bits of of European gibberish into news videos or just my day-to-day parlance when somebody might say, I think I've said it on this podcast where somebody will come out with a fact and I'll go, oh, das interessant, which is neither French nor German. And I got taught about six months ago, I got a rollicking from a friend of mine from Germany. who was like, please stop saying das interessant. It's not, it's not correct. You're, I don't know why you keep using it. And of course, I like dropping in fine alamo at the end of the news and people go, stop saying fine alamo. It's just, I quite like dicking about with language. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think if I was doing the razor mode stick, I would certainly find a, every so often I just go, oh, it's fuego out there, chica. Oh, how you doing, <laughs> mama? You do a lot in life. Somehow convince everyone that you're from Spain. <laughs> Hello, I am from the Spain. Santa Bogito. <laughs> but do it his way where you speak f- like 50 different English words for a while before getting the one Spanish one. In, 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 in order to fulfill the uh, the myth. <laughs> it is great to be here on the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Tortilla. <laughs> but then Razor goes on, says he wants his belt back. And then we get a logical progression because he figures Backlund's going to beat Jarrett, which is a nice ring endorsement of how good Jarrett is. So if Backlund wins and then Brett beats him, well, then Brett's got my belt. <laughs> <laughs> not faulty logic at all I'm getting a belt off somebody the kid says nothing and they just leave <laughs> so we get the footage from last week of Jarrett trying to give Barry Harwood a title match then Backlund comes out and beats Barry Harwood up and Jarrett's happy then Backlund signs off on the contract and then does this weird like bug-eyed waddle away which was the absolute highlight of that segment and probably last week's show altogether. And Jared's now upset, and it's like, ha ha, you gotta fight Bob Backlund now. What a weird segment. Very odd last week. Very, very, very odd. Get, get a quick plug for Sunday Night Slam, but we have Luger versus Tatanka in a steel cage. Bigelow's gonna face Sione in a match that I kind of wish I could see. Get a di- it's gonna be a diesel promo. And Cornette leaves ringside to manage the Heavenly Bodies for a match coming up later on. Now we get an ad for the Fan Festival, the precursor to Access, which appears to be held in some sort of um, depart- empty department store. Cut to Adam uh, Baum with sunglasses on, looking hungover as F, signing autographs. 
I, I imagine anyone wearing sunglasses indoors. It was it was at one of these things. Probably had bloodshot eyes. <laughs> Bomb was on the bed the night like, before. <laughs> I thought your eyes were yellow. Well, they're red today, kid. They're red today, kid. <laughs> Don't go. Give the give the toilet five minutes. It's like a nuclear blast in there. <laughs> <laughs> no one laid a match for a while. <laughs> of course, in this commercial well, the, that Stephanie Wind is very woodenly narrating, we get this pan up to this kid standing in one of Undertaker's like like vertical caskets, and he's he's just staring creepily at the camera. And, and I'm getting like Omen vibes from this. <laughs> There's so much awkwardness. It was, but speaking of awkward, as we come out of the as we come out of that ad, Vince tells us in voiceover. That nobody cares more about the fans than the WWF. That's a quote. <laughs> He's just Unless a parody you... sometimes, isn't he? <laughs> Unless you cheer for the wrong guy, in which case, I hope there's a pandemic one day so that we can, uh, you know, dictate all the crowd noise ourselves in empty arenas. And then, and then, and then no one ever hijack the shows again. <laughs> I like Vince about nobody cares about the fans like the WWF seven years later. You don't know what you want. I know what you want. <laughs> Pretty much. It's uh, I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're doing this. It's uh, it's fun to archive the BS mm-hmm. and chronicle it all. Mm-hmm. Speaking of it, speaking of stuff that's uh bizarre statements, we have a brief promo of from Lawrence Taylor, done in vignette form, where he talks about how he fears nothing. Except snakes and alligators. <laughs> it just—it's so weird. Like he's just—he's doing—he's doing so badly at making Bam Bam look like a threat. Because then, well, not <laughs> the snakes and alligator line just like I'm like, whoa, huh? So you think if Bam was smart, he'd bring Jake Roberts with him to WrestleMania? Yeah, or yeah. Bring, I thought that's what we were teasing. Can you imagine Bigelow's like throwing an alligator at Lawrence Taylor? <laughs> that would have been the best WrestleMania ever. Christ, John, John. If that happened, I'd be saying no. We're not waiting until after Christmas to do this show. You, you Matthew, and I are going to get on here right goddamn now. Christmas, and watch this. Christmas Day, we're watching this. If that wasn't bizarre enough, he then calls Bigelow a pussy cat, and then we get a shot of Bam Man with a actual cat sound effect behind it. <laughs> This is the main event of the biggest show of the year. <laughs> this is so stupid. I cannot figure out how this company failed to turn a profit in 1995. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Our savior is here. 2020 is saved. Nice. Because coming out to Linda McMahon's theme song <laughs> before Linda ever did. <laughs> just make a note of this because this is in fact true. The first man to ever use da 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 as a theme song, don't tell Jen. Steve Mongo McMichael. Yes. <laughs> He's introduced as a former bear and now a proud member of the Green Bay Packers. Which, one, if you're a Bears fan, that's just infuriating to hear. And two, not actually true because he retired following the 94 season, so he was no longer a Packer. But I digress because he comes out in this swag-ass House of Blues jacket. Oh, mate. He's coming out to the WrestleMania theme because as far as I'm concerned, he is the main event. He is Mr. WrestleMania. He is Mr. WrestleMania to me. See, Sean's not main eventing, but he is. That should tell you all you need to know. He, he walks down to the commentary desk, and, I, and I'm ecstatic. Sits down, puts his arm around Vince. Mongo's just a man of the people, happy to be here. And he's here to do commentary on this next match because it features a member of the Million Dollar Corporation who are opposing Lawrence Taylor's All-Pro team. King Kong Bundy in a handicap match versus Adam Kroom and Raven Clark. Not that Raven. <laughs> I looked these guys up. I couldn't find anything about either of them. <laughs> just just two California local yokels that probably just didn't do much. This is well before the, the California indie scene became like a hotbed of wrestling activity. Like, like I couldn't tell you who was big out there in 95. This probably predates like all pro wrestling and all that stuff. So M- Mongo says, well, he's had a few cream puffs in his life and Vince laughs hard at that. Bundy yells at him. Mongo just laughs him off because Mongo knows he's, he's a true star. Then Mongo asks a, a damn good question. Well, given how much bigger he is than both of them, why don't they just let him both in the ring at the same time? He's got a point. See, Mongo's insightful. This is why Bischoff hired him later in the year to do commentary on Nitro. Exactly. <laughs> he's the best. The jobbers try for a double slam. Bigelow, I'm sorry, Bundy just sledges him down. Mongo wants to see if he can play without a helmet, which explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Bundy just toys with the jobbers. Mongo uses the word reciprocate correctly, and we should have noted that. He's less smarter than you would think. He is. <laughs> Mongo is actually a very intelligent man, very astute. He calls out comma, or he calls him coma, because because that's what he gets put in when he wrestles. <laughs> See, not nice. He's smart. He's also well, he's also witty. He's. Do you know what? He's been ace. He's been ace on commentary. He's funny. He's charming. He's he's got charisma for days. I'm a fan. Forget Luger jumping. Mongo jumping was the end. Bunny hits one of the um, poor bastards with the avalanche in the corner. He demands a five count, doesn't get it. 
I'm sensing a theme here for Bundy. The five count never gets over. Never gets over. Never. No, no referee's going to play along with him anymore. <laughs> it's like, eh, enough's enough. But bless him for still trying. So Bundy went... Well, yeah, because Bundy, that, that's his shtick. He does it in the indies. Referees plays along. They don't care. I, they just walk away. Uh, enough's enough, Bundy. More than my job's worth. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to pay the count to three. So, uh, after the match, Koma or Kama comes out to taunt Mongo. Mongo just seems amused by by Papa Father yelling at him. <laughs> or the, or the god Shango. Mongo's just, he's just amused, just kind of laughing him off, doing the dismissive little arm hand flick, wrist flick. Like, I get away. So Mongo gets up one point, shoves Kama. Kama grabs a drink and throws it in his face and shits on now because these two have one hell of a skirmish. Oh, they do. Like, a, they? a legitimate looking fight where they just like, like pull apart and just fall into the floor trying to claw at each other. These are these. These are two big bad dudes who make fun of them all you want, would kick your ass with one hand, and not and not even much effort. A massive pull apart with officials just just running out the pull apart, including Vince. It looks so realistic, for the most part. Like Mongo, I thought about this. I wonder. I think you've. Co- I think you're about to come to the same conclusion that I did. If Mongo had gotten into wrestling sooner, if if he. Had, if, if he chose wrestling over football, or if he washed out of football and wrestling was, was his only real option for that kind of career, I think he'd have been great if he got into it young. See, I'm I'm kind of of that feeling, but I would say something a, a hotter take than that. Okay. When you look at the stuff that LT's been doing and the promos he's been doing, and then you look mm-hmm. at Mongo on commentary, and then the brawl he had with Karma, right? Mm-hmm. If you're gonna if you're gonna do it this way, right? If it's gotta be wrestler versus footballer, I'm gonna say mm-hmm. it. I'm gonna say it. I think Steve Mongo McMichael should have headlined WrestleMania. Okay. I think Slow you down. should have done I no, I will speed up if anything. I think <laughs> Mongo, in the brief time that he's he's been on WWE TV has shown more flair for wrestling, more charisma, more presence, more respect for it, and far more intensity than Lawrence Taylor. That's I why I, with I think that's why I think in if in another life, in another universe, we should have had Mongo versus Bam Bam. I will not deny any of those claims you just made. They are 100 percent correct. But and this is the big thing here. Lawrence Taylor, and I say this as an American who's followed football, Lawrence Taylor was a way bigger star than Steve McMichael. Right. And they were banking on the name value of LT. LT was on kids' posters in their, on their bedroom walls. He was, the, he was the picture of NFL ferocity. Any kid who wanted to be a defensive player in the 80s or early 90s wanted to be like LT and just punish quarterbacks and running backs. He was the alpha male. He was the BMF. Mongo, great player borderline Hall of Famer, not really idolized by the youth of America in any shape, <laughs> any way, shape, or form. He didn't have the name value. People knew who he was. He was, a, he was, he was an all-pro player, but not on LT's level. In, in wrestling terms, LT was the rock in the NFL. Mongo was 
Tyson Kidd. Very, 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 very good at what he did. Very underrated, but never a megastar. Okay, that that seems fair enough. I guess that if you're doubling down on the celebrityness for WrestleMania, then yeah, Lawrence Taylor is probably a better shout. If LT brought those qualities to the table that Mongo did, Mania might have done better, potentially. And that's, but I do agree with you that Mongo is taking to this like a duck to water. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a shame he's like 37 or 38 here because if he got into wrestling 15 years earlier, someone said this on, on Scott Q's message board because I was reading through some of the comments just for some of their some of their thoughts on this on his on his on his review of this show. Someone said he could have been like Stan Hansen, just a badass Texan who just who just brawls with everyone, throws clotheslines, and knocks people out, and like that wild promo style where it's it's not very articulate, but he's just full of energy and, and is ready to beat you up. He could have been that guy. He's a big Texan. He could have pulled it off. Good shout. But, Good shout. But I do agree with you 100% that Mongo had the aptitude for this. He just got into it way too late. But it is what it is, and I'm happy Mongo's here. Because when the fight ends, he yells, yeah, in Kama's direction. Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> John, give me Mongo and Devil's Advocate. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> and you can keep Keanu in there if you want. I don't care. You can put somebody else in. doesn't matter to me. We come to the WrestleMania report where Todd has unfortunately not put Mongo in, in LT's place oh, in the graphic. Oh, livid. Livid. <laughs> Write this down, Tom, because Todd actually made me laugh at one point during this. Uh, do you know what? We, I, I am... I'm going to pull an intervention here because okay. I feel like in, in an alarming consistency now, you start these report sections by saying, Todd made me laugh at one point. <laughs> I'm worried. This is the third Todd, time it's happened. I'm wet well, three times too many. I'm worried that either Todd's getting better or you're dumbing down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get, I'll get to the line in a moment. All right. I, I should note at first that he is very tastefully dressed this week. Just a button-up white shirt with a black jacket over it. Bit shoulder patty, but I assume Vince insisted on it. He said, this is not the line, but he does tell us that WrestleMania is the crown jewel of the World Wrestling Federation. Grace, no one's getting home on time. <laughs> it's the crown jewel until crown jewel becomes the crown jewel. <laughs> no, if it was crown jewel, Mongo would be wrestling when he was 60. <laughs> which I'd be okay with. <laughs> if Mongo had been on that flight, it would have gotten home on time, believe me. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're not going to mess, are you? No. <laughs> We've seen what he's done to horses. Now, that's the other Mongo. <laughs> so they run down the car, but they, but they omit Bigelow, LT, and the tag title match, which the latter I understand because, because of the match that follows that had implications. And I guess Big Old LT, we've already hammered home enough. Well, probably not enough. I saw the buy rate. Uh, get Steve versus Sean. Sean and Sid cut a promo with matching 5 o'clock shadows and black vests. It's like they're twins, but different heights. It's, it's something. That's <laughs> what they look like. Like Big Brother, Little Brother. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Like your nesting dolls of the same person. <laughs> anyway, they'll be at Sunday Night Slam to confront Diesel potentially when he cuts his promo. So intrigue. 
Plug Razor Jarrett, Brett versus Backlund. And the moment that I didn't transcribe it, but Todd cuts his little promo on Backlund using all these big words in succession. And then he kind of shifts his eyes off camera and and then just continues normally. That made me crack up a little bit. It was actually good delivery on his part. It was a ni- okay. It was it was a nice bit of subtlety. Mm. At least he wasn't laughing at his own jokes. Yeah. <laughs> at least he wasn't doing that. <laughs> this is very non-hat comedy. It was just very straightforward and plainly delivered. A little bit of deadpan. Well done. Once in a while, or as the old saying goes, sun shines on a dog's ass once in a while. So you got Taker versus Bundy. Well, that's a real saying. I like it. I've never heard it before, but it's now a favorite. I've heard it from, from my uncle plenty of times, especially when a bad football team wins a game. Yeah, sun shines on a dog's ass once in a while. <laughs> Taker versus Bundy. Get promo from Bear and Taker where they're irate about the, about the urn's desecration. I, I looked right at Taker, and the first thing I thought of was, Hello, Granny. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm gonna think now. When, uh, when see, uh, see, mine, mine is, uh, mine goes all elite Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> like he's like he's just about to break into like the the greatest jazz pro- solo of all time. <laughs> the, the best part is when he corpses at the end of it. <laughs> I love how he's just cutting loose with his, with his like, final taker promos because why not? Yeah, cause he, cause he, and he tries to stifle it by laughing. <laughs> and it just makes him laugh even more. <laughs> you will. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> A grand well spent. All right, I'll put you on the spot. Does this promise ruin Taker or make him better? Made him better. The cameos. Yeah, oh, better. Exactly. It's it's like what I love now, and I was chatting to my dad about this. So my dad is like, whenever I speak to my dad, it's the Undertaker. How's the Undertaker doing? How's the Bushwhackers doing? That's that's our wrestling conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even a joke either. That's not even a joke. That's generally, hey, the Undertaker, how's he doing? Hey, the Bushwhackers, how are they doing? That's, that's yeah, all my dad cares awesome. about. That's all my dad cares. Papa Campbell, you're doing good. The the and it's for that reason that I I have reached out to Bushwhacker Luke to do a Desert Island Graps. He hasn't got back yet, and I'm literally doing it to pop my dad. That's the only reason I do it is to pop my dad. <laughs> Whoa, hello, Granny. <laughs> yeah, boy. Why don't you Why don't you buy a Tinker cameo for your dad? You should have done that. Because <laughs> I haven't got a grand to spend. <laughs> I'm sure Adam would have loaned you the money. <laughs> I'm sure, you know what? I'm sure he bloody would have done, but then we wouldn't have got All Elite Scooby-Doo, and I feel like the world needed All Elite Scooby-Doo. Why don't you just ask UK Undertaker to do it? Oh, my God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Once we're off this off this call, I'm, I'm going to scan Cameo to see if, if, if UK Undertaker's on there. <laughs> I'm trying to cash in. And if he's not, why the hell isn't he? He's missing, he's missing a trick if he's not. I think this is his chance for, for seven dollars you can get a custom yeah you do it at a discounted rate do it for 9.99 99 uh so <laughs> it's it's cheaper mention of ally power versus eli and jacob blue and more todd says because the title match goes on mention because this next match might change the uh 
might change the scope of Manny depending on what happens. Talk to celebrities, Pam Anderson, John Deturo. I'm sorry, Nick Deturo. It's the less cool Deturo. Jonathan Neal Thomas and Jenny McCarthy. No mention of Fishbone. <laughs> oh, is that is that fallen through already? I believe it has. Oh man. Yeah. Couldn't get Jamiroquai or something to replace him. <laughs> Not this short notice. Not with two weeks to go. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they would have done it for a decent fee. So we come to the main event, which I got excited for, but was ultimately a letdown of a match. For the tag team titles, the Smoking Guns versus the Heavenly Bodies. Yeah, on paper, this feels like a nice thing. This feels like a nice main event on paper. He looks bad on paper. Dog shit. <laughs> oh, <Christ>. <laughs> Vince promo Skittles. JR does it better. We get an inset promo from Oscar of Mental Emission apologizing for Mental Emission's actions toward the Smoking Guns last week. In, in the promo, he says, being a tag team champion is every person's aspiration. I bet Vince disagrees with that. I, 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 that's not mine. Is it your aspiration? Not really. I'm good. I mean, if, if it comes along, great, but I can't say I'm clamoring for it. But isn't it interesting how it's Oscar doing the promo? Not Mabel and Moe. It's Oscar. <laughs> well, I wasn't ready for Oscar. John! <laughs> I, I went in two years to make that joke. And, and Oscar's almost gone, so I figured it was now or never. John, I want Becky Lynch handing the Raw Women's Championship to Oscar. <laughs> Let's make John work before the holidays. He ain't busy. <laughs> So it's, it's guns versus bodies, and we have an inter- interesting spot early on. Where we have a crisscross bulldog with Billy Gunn laying out Tom or Doctor Tom Pritchard, and, and Vince Vince is sure to yell. I was ready for Oscar. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I'll mute. Carry on. <laughs> He's the Empress of Timo and Mabel. <laughs> delirium kicking oh, in. Oh, I think it is, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm nearly. I, I've got like another two weeks to go, and then we, then I'm up, then I'm done for the year. Uh, so I'm just, the wheels are coming off a little bit. <laughs> You're oh. not ready for Oscar. I'm, I was, I wasn't ready for Oscar. <laughs> we found your kryptonite at long last. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, the only time that, that a joke like that has hit me the same way that did was. My mate, um, my old mate, Cos Ryan, who, when war, it was, we were going for a beer when, um, when the film War Horse came out, and he said it'd be funnier with the words the other way round, but horse war, and it was something about the, the idea of a film about horses going to war that, and every so often, if you look on my Twitter, you you might see Cos Ryan just tweet me randomly throughout the year horse war, because he knows it cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nay thing. Oh, Christ! 
What have you? What have you had this morning? Because cause have that every week. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to get through this match now. Is it starting an hour later than normal? Is that what it is? Um, perhaps. <laughs> so when some the heavenly bodies get beaten around a little bit, they go to the outside to regroup, and Cornet yells at them about about them keeping the promises that he made, which I, I think this is interesting because I, I don't think the bodies are long for this company at this point. And maybe this is how they're starting to write them out by having Cornette kind of uh, have enough of them. It seems like they're on the way, doesn't it? It does. And it won't be long, really. So I realized at this point, as Pritchard gains tossed around the ring, that Vince is alone on commentary. And this ain't pretty. No... They robbed us of Mongo. They could have put him back on. They could have. But his chair was wet. He, he won't work under those conditions. <laughs> so the guns worked Del Rey's arm over for a long time. And a long time. A long time. <laughs> and Vince is basically talking to himself. And honestly, he's not doing bad on commentary. It's just he needs someone to play off of. But when he's forced to like you know like tell stories by himself and, and discuss the technique of the match, he's 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 beyond competent. He's fine. He's just not exciting. He starts speculating about Owen's possible partner. This match feels like house show filler. We do get a nice moment where Vince refers to Jimmy Del Rey's ungulating abdominals. That's an actual phrase. Guns keep hitting some double teams heading in the break. Come back, the bodies are in control. What happened? <laughs> uh, Delray gets a gyrating neckbreaker on Bart, which is hideous for all the right reasons. And it's at this point that we learn that next week's Raw is going to have a pretty awesome-sounding match. Bret Hart versus Owen Hart in a no-holds-barred match. Nice. Why, why wasn't this at WrestleMania? That's, that, that boggles my mind. You could have swapped anything out for that. The only, the only thing I would say is that it caused Owen to tag team title match, or it would cause him to tag title match. But God damn it, from a show quality standpoint, we could have Brett and Owen. Oh, imagine Brett and Owen at WrestleMania 11, for the love of God. Like a year on from their battle, it, it's it's fine. Do that. It's poetic. It's great. Had that be where Brett finished him off, but no, we had to have back on the match where we can only apply submission holds. You could have, right. Here's the thing, right. Would we have been really upset and sad if... We got Brett and Owen, no holes barred. And then you have, it's like Brett needs to, see, I'd have gone, Brett really needs to to right a wrong from last year's WrestleMania 10 and then bugger it, have Owen beat him again, right? Just do it. Just every, every time they meet in Mania until maybe like four years, Owen beats him. <laughs> and, and I always had Brett beat him, Brett beat him there. And I mean, think about it. You, know, you go guns versus mental mission for the tag belts, the logical match they were building to. And they, you throw in like the you know Blaze versus Nakano, you throw in maybe something else. All of a sudden, you got a pretty decent looking mania there. Mm. But no, we got what we got, and it wasn't good. Mm, it really wasn't. But we'll, we'll we'll cross that bridge. Anyway, Delray misses the top rope splash. We we get a smoking gun chant that doesn't sound real. Like it was done in the studio and, and dubbed in. I want some clarification on this because it sounded inauthentic. Yeah, it didn't seem... I think it was probably piped in. 
<laughs> Billy gets the hot tag. He goes banana. R.I.P. Pat. Oh. Guns hit the sidewinder on Pritchard. But there's a distraction and Delray breaks it up. We, we, we have a, a weird-looking botch where Jimmy Delray goes for that wraparound DT that The Rock made famous. Where you fly around the guy in, in crucifix-like fashion and then swing it back around into a DDT. Billy, for some reason, throws his feet out. Like he's going for, like he's, like he's being pedigreed or something. And it just looks all sorts of weird. Like, Delray went around smoothly, but then Billy just mistimed everything. It was a bit off, wasn't it? Yeah. Delray goes for a jackknife cradle, but Billy bridges up. The famous Ric Flair bridge up. Gets a backslide and wins with that. The guns retain on a weird finish and a rather subdued match. Very basic, wasn't like, it? It's like 15 minutes of kind of just... It was like a house show match in some ways. With Vince doing lone commentary. It was very odd. Just felt like a bit of a flat ending to the to the show, really, didn't it? Um, flat for a final match, yeah. But it was, we still have some more stuff to come here. Including the March Magic event footage from, I guess, this past Sunday night. We had a big charity event with Magic Johnson raising money. Diesel's there. And Magic does note that they have had a history playing basketball together in the state of Michigan which I believe is true. They are the same age. We see wrestlers like Bret Hart, 123Kid, Razor Ramon, they get mentioned. Pat Riley, the, the then coach of the New York Knicks, is there. LT is there. No mention of the heels that appear on camera because we can't have them uh, be seen as good guys in any form. Oh, no. So even though Sean is like front and center in a lot of this footage, they never mentioned his name once. It was kind of funny. Yeah, a bit, a bit misplaced that one, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like, when, it's like when the fans cheer for Owen. Oh, he must have flown those fans in. So they would cheer for him. It's like, get over it. Mm. Then we get the plug for Brett Noah next week. Todd informs us on the voiceover that for the first time on TV, no rules, no regulations, no holds barred. I feel it's a bit misleading. Yeah, I always find it's funny, funny when they say there's no rules and then give some rules. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> Like, there's no rules. And by submission, there's one rule. <laughs> Back to the commentary table. Cornette has rejoined Vince. He's furious. But Vince mostly ignores him while he, while he goes over Sunday Night Slam. Luger versus Tatanka. Diesel interview. Bigelow versus Sione. Jarrett versus Backlund. But Luger versus Tatanka is inside a steel cage. And we close with comments from both men. Tatanka has a, has a very basic promo. And Luger has something that vaguely resembles passion. Uh, vaguely, mind you. And that's it. That's this week's show. There you go. One one more week till WrestleMania. Well, yeah, one more Raw till WrestleMania. Next week, next week's show has Bret Hart versus Owen Hart on it, so that should definitely be a doozy. It's Bret versus Owen, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, it's impossible to get that wrong, isn't it? Just about. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Last one of the year next year as well, matey. Uh-huh. I know. And right? we end with Brett versus Owen, so that's uh, – I'm okay with that. Yeah. It feels like that's a that's a good way to, to, to wrap up the year. And I'm sure we'll say it loads next week. But thank you for supporting uh, this here podcast, now over 100 episodes old. 
Uh, we've had such fun Jesus. doing it. We, I want to give a special mention before we wrap up today to one particular person who's been very committed to the cause. Um, I'm going to read out her tweet verbatim. Uh, and it's from a lady called, and I hope I got it right, it's Mariah Banter on Twitter. Maria Banter? <laughs> Mariah Banter, possibly. Who says, finally finished my quarantine project of listening to all the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown and Raw reviews. Took me six months. No regrets. I don't even listen to every episode. <laughs> <laughs> the first one I listened to would be the first one I listened to. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to end on saying, and, and you know, uh, Mariah is one of, of many people who've reached out during lockdown and said mm-hmm. that this podcast has brought them uh, a little bit of joy in some stupid times. And, and uh, we thank you uh, for, for giving us wonderful numbers that mean that this shindig can continue into 2021 and beyond. Absolutely. We're greatly appreciative of anyone who listens to our malarkey and finds some enjoyment in it. We do put a lot of effort into making these shows that both <laughs> funny. Okay. <laughs> we both through, through our natural skills, not saying, not saying they're great skills, but just saying through the abilities that we possess naturally <laughs> without any form of any, any form of self-improvement. Mate, we both turn up. That's right. We turn up and, and, and things happen. We'll keep on turning up as well. <laughs> the, the show that spontaneously combusts from the natural elements of of Tom's ADD and my cynicism. <laughs> well, and it makes a beautiful hot mess for all ears to enjoy. And uh, if you're one of those ears that enjoy it, thank you. But we are grateful that people do listen to this and find enjoyment in it. And until next time, she is, is Maria Banter on Twitter. He is at JRH Writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Nobody's ready for us. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
for all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes. Search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.